I realized that pretty quickly on that I just wanted to like find ways to work with friends. Like I just, if I could start a, a business with every one of my friends, that would be like the, the goal in life, right? Like that would be so much fun to me. When I went to school for marketing, I thought marketing meant advertising. And I found out quickly that marketing was the product and a good product understands the customer completely. It solves a need. You can't, you can't create a sustainable business creating a product that a customer doesn't need. Yeah, you might be able to trick them into buying it once or twice, but if they don't need it, you're not solving a need. It's not going to be a sustainable yo 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 what's up guys alejandro here holy hustle podcast thank you so much for tuning in been getting so much good feedback from you guys in the reviews and in the email if you're not you're listening to this and you're not on the holy hustle newsletter just go to holyhustle.com and if you get something out of this interview today do me a huge favor we get it in more people's ears and on their youtube when you subscribe and like on youtube smash that subscribe and like button and then on spotify and on apple just leave it a review and um even if you don't like it, go ahead and I don't mind if you leave a bad review as well. But uh, it's been so awesome doing these interviews. And then what we're going to do, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel because we're going to be creating specific content for YouTube. These will be a little bit more just me, tactical. And then whereas the Holy Hustle will be interviews with friends of mine, experts to really help you marry kind of strategy and being a spirit-led Christian entrepreneur. And so in today's interview. I'm excited to interview a good friend of mine. We've become friends over the last uh, few years, several years now. And now uh, we're actually working together, helping him grow Sunday Social. It's my good friend, Jonathan Malm from Sunday Social. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, how's it going? Bro, pumped. You're here. Excited to share the story. And um, I I'm excited about this because, you know, there are people that are just like these alpha focused you know, tactical, strategical, different side of the brain business folks that are just like, Ugh. and then there are people and I've got a few friends like this that are more creative and um, let the creative, you know, creativity stand on its own. I, I would say Nathan and Theos use probably someone like that, where Sunday Social has, if, if people didn't know, they wouldn't know how massive of a business this has become serving how many churches now? Yeah, almost 5,000. Almost 5,000 churches. And so let's talk a little bit about how you got into entrepreneurship and started Sunday Social. Love to hear because you've done a lot of different things. And I want to kind of unpack that here. Yeah, I mean, I think my story is similar to a lot of entrepreneurs. For me, it's fun. Like, I don't generally do something if it's not fun. So I have always started businesses. But I think when I look back, I, I've seen this model for me forever because my dad was a missionary in Guatemala. So we moved when I was six to Guatemala. We lived there about six or seven years and he didn't have a traditional job ever in my life. Uh, while he was there, he felt like God was calling him to start a missions organization, which he did in Guatemala. And that's what brought us back to the US. And then he was running the missions organization while he um, was the president of a not president of school, a principal of a school, and then pastored to church while he was doing it. So he's always like, I mean, if you want to talk about side hustles, like side hustle left, even though like it's ministry, so it's not like he's making money from this. Like we were never really, like we never had money for stuff. But it was still the idea of like you can just kind of do whatever. Like if you have an idea, if you feel like God wants you to do something, just do it. Like you don't have to have some sort of credentials or degree or a license. I mean, you do need to have a license for some things, you know, you can't be a surgeon and just for fun. Um, but, but so I've always seen that model. So I, you know, I would, when we lived in Guatemala, I would, I would bring back Guatemalan currency to the U S and I would sell it like, just like as a, like a, a souvenir for other people. And like, that was my first like entrepreneurial endeavor. And then, you know, started learning new websites. I've always just found something to do and done it. And it's been fun for me. Building things is really fun. That's like, my personality type is I tend to just like, oh, let's like, you know, this working with me that I will have an idea and then I launch it like 30 minutes later and you're like, hold on, Jonathan, let's like, let's actually like put some strategy into this because I just, I get excited and I like trying things. And that has worked, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it's worked up until this point. I think we're trying to, you know, it almost be like Steve Jobs going, hey, let's just, let's just show as opposed to kind of doing an event, building hype and anticipation. And so- 
you said most people do this like a lot of people want to be fun. Actually, I've never heard – I don't hear a lot of people getting into entrepreneurship um, because it's fun. It's usually because of money, just to be honest, or freedom and, and, and all those other things. But fun is an interesting thing. You know, <laughs> why – where does that come from? I mean, it's so oh, sorry to like be that Enneagram guy, but I found out that I'm an Enneagram 7, which is, you know, we always are about good vibes. We tend to – geared toward hedonism in the unhealthy form, you know, when we're in an unhealthy place. So for me, it's just always about fun. Like that's what, like all of my partnerships, like I remember when we started Sunday Social, me and my business partner, Joe Cavazos, like I was like, as soon as this is not fun, I just want to walk away. Like I don't, I would rather like keep a friend than make a dollar because it's fun. It's fun getting to work with my friend. It's fun. I write books. It's fun getting to write books with my friend. Like, I don't know. It's just fun. So Money is definitely important, but I feel like it always takes like a second place to like friendship and fun. And like, as soon as something's not fun, I'm like, why am I doing this? And I would either want to sell it or, you know, try something else. So that's, yeah, maybe, maybe I am unique in that sense, but I do, I do feel like it's fun in the sense that we're wired that way. And when we operate within the function we were wired for, I think it is fun. I think it's like, ah, I'm just kind of like, it's, it's, it's exciting to do what we were made to do. That that's a that's a key thing, and I and and um, I I like that. And every time we work together, it's definitely been fun. One of the things you'd mention, um, and I'm a dad, you're a dad, and I just hear something like this, and I want to be able to instill something in my girls, some sort of work ethic. I don't want to push anything on them. Um, I just want to give them options and give them the whole story. Your father. Um, was this something that was, was either caught or taught to you starting these different things? I'd love, was he very intentional about some of this stuff or did you just notice it? Yeah, I really just noticed it. And it's funny because my brother, my brother's the same way. He's an entrepreneur. My sister who is a stay at home mom, she like, she is a tutor. She, she is always doing side hustles. She'll make like these gummies that are like, she's a super healthy person. So she'll make like gummies and like, but again, for her, it's not about making money for not. None of us are really that concerned about making money, which I think is also something that we caught from my dad. Like, cause again, being a missionary, like you're not, you're not in it for the money, right? Like hopefully you're not, cause you're probably not going to get very much. So for all of us, I think we just saw that it was fulfilling for my dad and he was very consistent with, you know, what he, what he said and what he did and what he believed was, was very consistent. I never felt like he was one person at a church or one person out doing quote unquote ministry and a different person at home. He was very much himself. So I think it is, it is very much caught. Like, and I, I do think, you know, there were some things that were taught to me that, you know, some specific mindset shifts, like his, his big focus was always like, will this matter for eternity? And he was very, you know, anytime he punished us, anytime, anything that was like, you know, rubber hitting the road, it always came back to an eternal perspective, which I think was very taught. But yeah, the, the the entrepreneurship, I don't think he cared. He never cared what we did with our lives. Like he never cared about us being business people or anything. He just wanted us to love God. That was the main thing he cared about. And being a missionary, um, a missionary's kid, they called like an MK, like a PK, yeah, but MK, MK mm-hmm. an MK. Like how, how has that shaped you as an entrepreneur and how you... I guess, work with your team and employees and you work with your customers. Yeah, I think it's a, I think one benefit that I've had, and maybe this is more on the product side, is I'm not married to a mission, meaning like churches are very focused on like modern American church right now. I can speak to that. Obviously, I create products for that, but I'm not married to a mission. And I feel like I I can maybe think outside the box a little bit because I've seen other things I've seen, you know, the, the small village church, we, you know, we would go to these villages and, you know, hundred people, like the, the car guitar only had one string. Like it was like, you know, alabare, alabare, like that song, like over and over, you might know it if yeah. Uh, so like that, just seeing that. And then we would, but we would also go to like this mega church that was in this circus tent in Guatemala. And it was like, so just the, the range of experience I feel like is pretty cool. And I think that expanded what, I know was possible and my, my stance on God, my perspective on God, my perspective on business. I think, I think they can kind of go hand in hand. No, that, that's, that's really cool. And obviously um, I want to get to the book shortly. You've written several books. I want to get to your, your, your newest book. Um, but, but before that, tell, tell us like 
where you were at, how you started Sunday Social with Joe, like that story, because it's it's very, I, I think it's such a cool story for those that, you know, have social media, Instagram, sundaysocial.tv, I believe it is on Instagram. You guys are crush it on social. Yeah. Just talk a little bit about that Sunday social story in its infancy. Yeah. So Joe and I became friends. He lived in, he still lives there now, but he moved away and we both moved away and then we came back to where we are. But anyways, he lived in Mission, Texas. I lived in Corpus Christi. We became friends online. Some mutual friend introduced us and we like, then we, he would come through Corpus Christi and we'd grab coffee. And so we became friends. We both separately began to work for this company called Igniter Media, which is still going strong up in Dallas. Uh, he worked for a different branch of it than I did, but um, we became friends you know, more closely there because we lived in the same city. And uh, then we both independently uh, left Igniter Media. Um, still really good friends with the people. Like, I have nothing but good to say about them. Uh, he would say the same. But um, then we're just like, how do we work together? Like, again, like I want to work together with my friends. Like I realized that pretty quickly on that I just wanted to like find ways to work with friends. Like I just, if I could start a, a business with every one of my friends, that would be like the the goal in life, right? Like that would be so much fun to me because again, fun. But um, yeah, so we were just, you know, we were we were trying to figure out what to do. And he'd had this idea for social media graphics in Igniter Media. Um, they were kind of, poo-pooing the idea at the time because it didn't seem like a very lucrative um, option. And I was like, man, I, I, I feel like there's definitely something there. Let's try it. So we made it $5 a month, which was a stupid idea because of how much work we were going to be making 30 graphics a month, which would mean Joe would make 30 graphics a month. He, at the same time, his heart was, he felt like he had to, he was a freelance designer and he'd have to say no to a lot of people that wanted to work with him just because of the cost. Like it was so expensive to work with him because he needed to feed his family and stuff. And so we both, we both started it with different purposes. I was like, man, churches, I've always, you know, I, this is my like life motto, find a niche and scratch it. A niche. It's pretty clever. I think, um, even though some, some people say niche and it doesn't work that way, but, uh, we always, I always find something. I'm like, what is something people need that they can't get enough of? That's my approach to all businesses. And how can I make that for them so that they can not have to worry about that? So social media, I, I, I saw the trend that social media was going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. He was obviously a phenomenal designer. We wanted to work together. And so we teamed up to start it. And what year, what year was this? 2016, I believe. No, that's not right. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. 2016. And I, I remember, I, I think I hosted in 2015 or 2016. I did something called the church marketing summit. I don't know if, I don't know if you knew that back then. Did we know? I don't know if we knew that. I knew and of you, I think. Yeah. I, and, and, when I saw Sunday social, I was so jealous because I was like, you, you said it, when you start businesses, you're kind of like, you know, when you're scratching the itch, but like, what's the need that people can't get enough of, which is fascinating. You, you, you said that. And um, I just, I knew that that company, and I didn't know you at the time, I knew that that, that company was going to be so, I was like, this is just incredible. It's a subscription model. In the SaaS world, we would call that MRR, monthly recurring revenue. It's a difference between, you know, you don't start as an entrepreneur, you, you know, business owner, you don't start every single month at zero. Yeah. You know, you, you start with monthly recurring that was revenue. That so much. <laughs> What's, oh, that, and it, yeah, and it stresses a lot yeah. of, a lot of people out, you talked about find something that they can't have enough for. Like, how did you know that social media for churches was, was actually going to be a thing? Because there is 315, 320,000 churches. There's a finite audience. Like, how did you know it was going to be a thing? I didn't know that it was going to be a big thing. I think I thought my max, our max would be like 500 subscribers. I'm like, there's no way we'll get more than that. In truth, that's, I'm not a very, I'm, I'm very visionary and I'm not visionary at all at the same time. Like, like some of my other companies all have always blown my mind at what they've been able to do as far as reach, just because I, I set my standards low, which is really bad advice, like really bad leadership advice. But I'm like, you know, if we can get to 500, that'd be amazing. We're helping churches. It's not going to be much income, but it'll be fun. It'll be worth doing. Uh, and then it just kept blowing my mind how fast it grew um, so I did know there was a need. I just never know how much of a need I'm horrible at market research. I'm horrible at like a lot of things that are like pretty key to starting a business. 
but um, I am pretty darn good at like acknowledging a need and meeting that need. That's one thing that I'm pretty gifted at. And that's actually a really important thing. Um, I, I think there was a, you know, they said, you know, what's the most important thing when it comes to starting a steakhouse, you know, and, and you know, you, people say the parking, the location, the steak, the chef, a lot of different things, but the answer in this case uh, is, is a starving crowd, you know, and, and, yeah. and, 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 and that's the biggest thing. And it was people needed it back then and they still need it to this day. I think social media is, kind of like window shopping, they're going to go look at your social media, probably even before they see your website, most of the time, just to see like a peek inside. And so social, you know, churches definitely need to level up uh, their social. But you said something about I, you, you know, you said something along the lines of, um, I'm, a, I'm a visionary, but I'm not a visionary. What advice would you give someone that's like, I'm kind of in that same boat? How do you know what are some of the things? Is it gut? Is it you don't do research? How do you know there's a need? How do you find that need out? I mean, high empathy and high, high self-awareness, I think, are key. I, I can't, you know, I, I try to help a lot of uh, my fellow entrepreneurs, they'll, they'll, you know, help them with marketing or like, you know, yeah. give them advice on stuff. And like, you know, I had a friend that I was talking to yesterday that was like, I want to start this company and I want it to be for, and he was in the church space as well. He's like, I want it to be for like a much bigger audience. And I'm like, here's the thing that's frustrating is you don't know that audience. With me, with church people, I I know when stuff is shifting. I'm very engaged in that culture. I mean, it's a, it's a culture. It is a culture, right? Like I'm friends with pastors. I'm friends with like, it is my life. So I understand when things are shifting. I understand the needs. I understand that I have very strong empathy for what people in, that work, who work in churches go through because my dad was a pastor. I worked in a church. I just, it's, it's very much a part of my life. So I'm always going to do something probably in that vein or something that's very intimately related to my life, because then I can know, oh, this is what I needed, or this is what I would have needed if I was in that situation. I think empathy is key is, is putting your mindset, you know, all of the funny videos that I do on Instagram are, are about relatability or about like, Ooh, what's the pain point that I can kind of poke at right now. And it's, and hopefully it'll be funny in the funny video. Right. But like, you find those pain points and just kind of poke at it and see what what's going to what's going to fix this pain point or what's going to help this pain point. And I think that's a key is really customer focus. I, when I went to school for marketing, I thought marketing meant advertising. And I found out quickly that marketing was the product mm -hmm. and a good product understands the customer completely. It solves a need. You can't you can't create a sustainable business creating a product that a customer doesn't need. Yeah, you might be able to trick them into buying it once or twice, but if they don't need it, you're not solving a need, it's not going to be a sustainable business. So it all comes down to And I think that's what I think that's part of the problem is we have a great idea of something that's exciting to us. I have this with books all the time. I'm like, "Ooh, I want to write about the and nobody cares to read about the because they it doesn't meet that need they directly have. So really laser focusing on and what is, what does your customer need? No, that's really good. What do they desire? What's that, you know, what's the thing that they just like you said earlier, I love that they, they can't And they might not know that. that they need it. They might not True. yet know they need it. I mean, I love that quote. I think it was attributed to Steve Jobs and maybe someone else that people don't know what they want until you show it to them, right? Like mm. it's so arrogant, but at the same time, sometimes people don't know that they they feel that maybe the pain, but they don't know what they want until you show them as a viable option to 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 help that pain. And with with Sunday Social and um, you 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 know, I'd love to talk a little bit later about another need that you're filling in the market with Monday Mission. Can you talk a little bit about how you guys felt, what did you guys do initially to really continue to, you know, poke at that pain point that people have that grew this thing to, like you said, almost 5,000 people now? Yeah. So when we started, I think the main goal was churches felt like they needed to be on social media, but they didn't know what to post. And so our, our whole thing was just like, here's some stuff you can post. Like, it, there wasn't a lot of strategy to it, but it was just like, it was just kind of to fill the, the the felt need, right? COVID changed quite rapidly. My, my, my response to social media is I realized like, you know, first of all, every church suddenly needed to be on social media and they needed to, that was their only way really to communicate with their people. You know, if they can't come to a Sunday morning service, how do you communicate to what people are going through? And at the same time in COVID, I had this revelation that I'm like, 
it's the, probably the first time in a long time that I know exactly what my neighbor is feeling. I know exactly what pretty much everyone in my neighborhood is feeling. They're feeling fear, anxiety. They're feeling frustration. I kind of, I started acknowledging some things that like, man, we're all feeling this right now. And it was pretty cool because I was able to create content that directly spoke to that. And that, I mean, it's dumb, but it blew my mind. I'm like, wait a second, churches should know what their people are thinking. So I started evaluating what are some regular emotional, spiritual needs that people are feeling and let's create content that speaks to that. And that changed the content focus so much. I mean, that was three years ago, but really focusing on like, what are people experiencing and how can we create content that's relatable to that and actually helps people take steps toward Jesus in that, you know, in that topic. And so that's been, that's been the big shift, I think that, and I, I don't even know that necessarily churches realize that that's what needs to happen, but I feel that that's what needs to happen, which is a cool thing we have, a cool thing we have, an opportunity we have with Sunday Socials. We get to kind of steer the conversation churches have with their people. Like I get to decide what churches are going to tell their people, which is really weird. It's a big responsibility. But can, can you talk a little bit about how you guys are doing that? Like through the content, can you just give an overview of how you guys are doing that? Yeah. So, I mean, every, every we create, you know, 60 daily graphics a month. Uh, 30 verse of the day graphics that are just kind of tied in with the Bible app. But in those 60, I just have a list of emotional needs, spiritual needs, and we just break it up. So when I go to create content, I say, okay, this, this post is going to be about fear and anxiety. Now, how can I help people take a step in the right direction in either conquering fear and anxiety, being more courageous, um, you know, actually getting help for anxiety, understanding that it's not just like a, you know, a, a, a shallow, oh, I'm feeling anxious right now, but it's actually like a deep like thing that's going on with people. Uh, same thing, shame, uh, feeling of not living, not, uh, yeah, not living up, um, desire for influence or impact, uh, sadness, um, pride, all of these things that people are feeling. And then I figure out how can I, you know, either resource a quote or there's a worship song that speaks to that or a Bible verse or a funny way to approach that topic that, you know, while it makes you laugh a little bit, it also makes you think a little bit. And I'm always looking for ways that we can do that. No, I love that. I, I want to revisit something you said right earlier that you you didn't think 5,000, you thought 500. And I think a thing that holds a lot of people back is kind of this um, whether you call it imposter syndrome or just fear of failure, they don't think that they can get past where at a certain level, right? So where did, where does that come from out of curiosity for you? The, where do I start feeling the imposter syndrome or how do I deal with yeah, that? Yeah, just or? like, why, why didn't you think that you can get to 5,000? Like, why did you think it was only 500 out of curiosity? I think for me, um, it wasn't so much an insecurity. It was more if I if I'm worried about reaching five thousand people immediately, I might never start. I think perfectionism is something that I've learned to murder along the way. Uh, it used to be like, oh, what are people going to think about me? What are you know, like it's it it would have been crippling thinking, oh, I have to make something that's going to make five thousand people happy. I couldn't yet. Like Joe couldn't design 90, 120, the, the amount of graphics we're creating right now, which is what's needed to meet the need for 5,000 people. We couldn't have done that when we started. So really 500 goal was, I was like, okay, well, we can, re we can, we can create a product that will help a hundred people right now. And we can get to that number. And then I know we can probably shift to make some changes to get to 500. So really a lot of it, I think is just making the steps a little bit easier for me. Like, let's just start something. Let's just try it. Let's build the boat a little bit while we're sailing and understanding that, especially in this industry of social media, it's going to change rapidly. And if we're trying to reach 5,000 people, we might put systems in place that will keep us from being nimble. And we needed to be nimble. We needed to change the product rapidly. It's, it's scary now because we are, we have become such a large organization that when we make changes, I'm like, oh gosh, I have to like pastor these 12 people through these changes we need to make and like make sure they're all good and they get it and they understand the heart behind it. Uh, early on, it was a lot easier. So along the way, you hit 500. Mm -hmm. And and where do you go from there? Like, man, I think we have a shot. Like when did the, when did you feel like this is actually something where we can 
pay ourselves a full-time salary, you know, and we can actually start hiring and taking care of our people. And I love that side note, you you know, you've talked about, you know, you just really want to take care of your people. You're a great leader, but where did you go, man? This is, this is something I think we can actually grow. What happened, you know, what happened to make you think that? It's, it really is kind of embarrassing because Joe and I were both making a full-time income and we had this conversation. We're like, Hey, this isn't a side hustle anymore. And like, we were already making a full-time income from it. And that's when we finally, it finally dawned on us. Like we should take this a little bit more seriously. So I'm very embarrassed to admit that, but um, you know, along the way, I think our goal was to just take care of people. You know, we like, we worked with designers and we wanted, we wanted every designer to be excited to work with us. I've heard that from a lot of designers, like, dude, you're my favorite customer. You're my favorite client because you pay me as soon as I invoice you, like you pay me immediately uh, you give me a chance to like be a rock star at what I do. Like that's always been our heart just cause I know what it was like being a designer. I want, I wanted to work this. I wanted to work. I wanted to make a company that would be the type of company I would have wanted to work for. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's kind of dumb, but again, I'm in like an anti-visionary visionary and that I didn't even realize that we had a, like a big thing until I was like, okay, we should start taking this seriously. And what, what year was this? Was this before COVID? This, this was maybe like slightly before we hired you, I think, or maybe even <laughs> after we hired you. It's like three years ago, maybe it was like, again, we were like reaching what we needed to make to, to for it to be a full-time income. And we're like, okay, we should, this shouldn't just be like, you know, a, a 10 hour a week thing for us. This should take some more of our mental energy. So what goals do you have now for the company? Like, like, has it shifted? You know, I think, I think confidence is an interesting thing, right? Like we don't get confident and then go do something. We we actually go do something and then confidence starts to, starts to, you know, we start to become confident. Where do you envision taking this and, you know, Monday mission, like where's your goal for these companies you know you you know me you know me well enough to know i don't have an answer to this i feel like because again like i'll have an idea tomorrow and then we launch it next week right like so one thing you know we're doing is this was an idea actually i think maybe you had or maybe our team had was, was doing me. coaching <laughs> i think it might have been yours actually it was, oh it was that's bit, actually like, what was me i was gonna take credit yeah. whatever you said no, yeah. So kind of the idea of coaching, I think yeah. we, we've been such a low dollar product. You know, we started at $5. Now our lowest product is $10 a month up to $30 a month. So $30 a month is still very cheap. That's like two Netflix subscriptions. Like that's dirt cheap for the amount of stuff we're producing um, as a small team and how few people we have as customers compared to Netflix. But yeah, so I think the idea is how can we add larger, higher dollar products, but not necessarily just for the sake of higher dollar, but actually like, how can we serve people in a more one-on-one capacity in a higher, higher value capacity? Because that's the thing we've seen is like, we create all this great content and stuff and this, this great product, but people still don't know how to use it. There's that disconnect between like, you know, how do I use this effectively? How do I use social media effectively? And that's something I've grown so excited about on Instagram, TikTok is it's just fun seeing that like, Again, I make silly, I make like stupid, stupid videos on my Instagram, but I have deep conversations with people in the DMs. Like people are asking me how to overcome burnout. Obviously my, I have a book about burnout, but like people are trusting me with really deep things, even though I'm being kind of ridiculous on social media. So seeing the opportunities that churches have that are, you know, they're more geared to helping people than I am because, you know, there's a pastor who went to seminary, there's multiple staff and that's their whole thing is to serve people and how can i help churches be more effective so that's what i'd love to see more is mm. effectiveness effectiveness i just want to see churches effective that's that's definitely a heart that i have and and i think part of it is is going deeper right a little bit more depth um you guys have gone wide with just a large audience mm-hmm. um not only just with sunday social but your own you, you i think you've got 30 or 50,000 on Instagram, never on TikTok. Is your TikTok bigger than Instagram or is Instagram kind of your big? I don't post on TikTok, but I think I have 30,000. I I had a couple of viral videos early on that uh, are completely unrelated to churches. And so it's kind of like a, it's a dump. It's a junk platform for me right now. Like Mm. we're like, I have a ton of followers, but it's not going to help me in any way. So I, I see, I've seen the vision for TikTok, but I'm not currently using it. But Instagram, yeah, 30,000. And there are people that are like fully engaged in what I'm doing. Yeah, you get great engagement. I think there's a lot of people that buy followers and then they have like 78 yeah. likes. Um, 
And uh, I can name a few that we would know. And I'm just joking. Let's do uh, it. Let's, I want let's to start, so stir some bad. controversy. <laughs> I, I, I would love, like, sometimes I'm like, should I clickbait? Like, I see some respected people with some of the clickbait, and I click on the video. I'm like, that's actually not what Joe Rogan said. Like, someone said Joe mm. Rogan came to faith. I'm like, then I hear it. I'm like, Joe Rogan said about some, anyways, I, I digress. I think a lot of people that watch this, they're trying to build companies. Maybe they have an agency or a coaching program, or a course, or, or maybe they are a real estate agent or have a day job or something like that and, and are trying to build a personal brand because they talk about all, attention is the new oil. You know, we live in this attention economy. And so I guess what advice would you have someone that goes, hey, you know, I, I got a day job. I got, you know, but I, I think. I want to build an audience because I have something deep inside of my heart and my head that I want to share with the world, maybe a book or a course one day. You've written a lot of books. What what would advice would you give someone on growing their personal brand? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the big topic on social media right now, but finding a niche, right? Like, but the idea is, you know, not everyone needs to you know, reach the boss babes, which is there's so many Instagrammers reaching boss babes. If that's your goal, go for it, right? But there are, there are people interested in cars. There are people interested in, you know, there are boss dads. Like I get a lot of dad content, right? Like there's there's niches you can find that are effective. And I, I and I think you actually mentioned this before. I was asking you the audience of this podcast, and you you said, you know, like I know you sh you should speak to one person, right? Like one person. Like imagine one person that you want to talk to. And again. That's usually myself. What would I have wanted to know, wanted to hear, wanted to, you know, see. So then focus on relatable content. I found on Instagram, like some of my best performing content is not funny at all, even though I love funny and I love making funny stuff. But the stuff that just like, oh my gosh, that is me. He gets me, right? Like that's whenever I write my books, like I try to, I try to make like 20 to 50% of it just empathy. Like, oh my gosh, this book is speaking directly to me. It hasn't given me a single solution yet, but it's speaking directly to me. I would say that for, for, um, for your content, or for anything that you're creating is, is like be high on empathy because when people realize that they get you, they understand you, they're willing to buy something from you because like, this is surely going to meet my need because they understand me. That's, that's the whole point of influencer culture, right? Like this mother seems to just get me. This is what I want my family to look like either aspirational they get me. That's because that's what I want it to be like, or they're right there with me and I'm, they're the exact same as me, right? That trust is so valuable that then you can, you know, not in a manipulative way, but if you then can solve a need for someone, that's going to connect your audience immediately. So how do you, and this is great because I've got a friend of mine who, um, he's, he's hilarious. He's funny. But then when he posts some serious stuff, I'm like, man, it's like very impactful. It doesn't get as many views all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but some of it does, how do you, how do you navigate? I want to be vulnerable. I want to be me. I want to be fun, but I also need clients. I need customers. I need people to buy stuff, but I don't want to like dance on, you know, I don't want to dance yeah. on TikTok and you know what I mean? Like, how do you continue to have your voice? How do you find your voice on these platforms to get more views? If that's one of the goals, a lot of it, I think is just consuming content. So if you're not on TikTok, go on TikTok. And the fun thing is there's so many, especially on TikTok, Instagram is a lot of like copy paste culture, right? Like you'll see 20 of the same joke. And you're like, I saw that joke like 20 times ago, right? Like Instagram is a much more copy culture. TikTok really values creativity. So you can go on TikTok and you can see, oh, that was an interesting way that person approached that video. I, I want to try that and see if that might work for me. So I would say, you know, not with the purpose of copying, but the purpose of inspiration, like, oh, I hadn't thought about presenting it that way. Why don't, why don't I try that? I try it. It doesn't work. But I see another one. I'll try it. It doesn't work, right? Like, but go on TikTok and see how creative people are in the way that they're presenting a con presenting their content, presenting their videos, and then try it, see if it works. I think that's the hard part is we, we are not willing to experiment. Like I'm, I don't, I don't ever really call anything failure. Like I've, you know, probably failed at like 30 businesses, but I'm like, Oh, I tried it. Didn't work On to the next thing. Right. Like just, just kind of, it's almost like fencing, right? I feel like business is a lot like fencing where you kind of like, you look for weaknesses, you kind of stab here, poke here, and then, oh, there's an opening and you go for it, right? Same thing with creating content. Same thing with business is you just try it. I love that. And your next book, 
business fencing is <laughs> what is it? <laughs> That's actually very fascinating. Like I'm a big fan of naming things. So mm -hmm. in 2007, 2008, so gentleman, uh, but we'll call him Howie. It's his first name. And he had this thing called a uh, strategy called con it was content distribution. Take one blog, turn it into a podcast, turn it into a video, turn it into several snippet, blah, blah, way back then. And then I don't know if you know, Pat Flynn, Pat Flynn has um, smart passive income. He did that same thing, but he named it the be everywhere strategy. It's like mm -hmm. he named something. And so business fencing, that's actually could be kind of a cool little framework. Um, if you don't mind it, I'm going to write let's, that book. Let's write our book. <laughs> we do have to write a, a, a book together. And I want to get into some of the books that you've written. Um, but man, it sounds like you've had a lot of fun. Sounds like, you know, you're, you're seven on the Enneagram. And, mm -hmm. but, but like, what has there been like a failure? I mean, I know these little 30 different companies you failed, et cetera, et cetera. But has there been like ever a setback, even in this business or a previous business where you're like, man, I'm actually just going to pack my bags and uh, stop doing this entrepreneur thing and uh, go, go work for someone else. Or, you know, can you talk a little bit about that and a story or so? Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. I think what's always been discouraging and during COVID, I think a lot of people in business experience this is, is there was just this general rage in the population. Like I call it COVID rage. I don't think that's, I don't know if that's a thing people have identified, but like there was just this rage. So, you know, it was October. We posted a graphic that was like happy Halloween. We serve churches. If you're in the church culture, you know that there's a lot of people in church who think Halloween is literally the devil, even though, all Hallows Eve, all Halloween is like what it's from, right? Like it's like from a Christian holiday. Anyways, I won't get into that. But the idea is there were people like, I thought this was a Christian company. Are you guys not Christian? Like just kind of tearing us apart on Instagram. They weren't our customers, but it's just the outside people that have an opinion, right? And things like that were discouraging me. You know, I, we made a we made a Juneteenth graphic and uh, a lot of the, a lot of churches are very much on the Republican side and Biden had happened to turn it into a national holiday, even though we've been making Juneteenth graphics for the last like three years. And so like, oh, wow, I didn't know you guys were becoming woke. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on? Like what, like just this like kind of anger that happened. And it was just, you know, again, when, you know, to be on, to be doing well in business now, you probably have to be on social media. You kind of have to be in this influencer bubble sort of thing. And uh, there's a lot of hatred that happens on the internet, a lot of really mean comments. And that is probably the thing that, made me want to give up. And then I just had to focus, okay, these are not my customers. These are not the people I'm serving, right? Like I'll get a lot of hatred, but it's not the people that I'm serving. People that I'm serving are really loving what we're doing. And so that's kind of how I countered that. No, it's interesting because I think a lot of people that, you know, any, if they're following what I do, I talk a lot about running traffic, paid traffic. And anytime you run paid traffic, um, people, just the trolls come out. It's like yeah. the 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 squeaky wheel gets the oil and they one person out of a thousand kind of ruins your day, yeah. you know? And so folks that are going to go viral, they're going to have some trolls. What it, what advice would you have for them as, as that starts to come in? Cause that will come a hundred percent, whether you're got a small audience, even if you just turn on paid traffic, some of the comments that you guys get, it's just like, yeah. people are people are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to those folks that are like, get prepared for the trolls? I think the big thing is, and I've, I've been trying to do this a lot. Like I got probably in the last 24 hours, maybe 10 messages about some stuff on, on my personal Instagram is I try to evaluate, does this person want to have a real conversation or are they a troll? I'm never for dismissing people outright. But there's this verse that says, don't argue with a fool or you'll be like him, right? Like it's in Proverbs. I totally misquoted it. It's close to that. That's the gist of it, right? Like, don't argue with a fool or you'll become like him. So there has to be this point where like, okay, this person is arguing like a fool. I you never, you never call someone a fool, but they're arguing like a fool right now. They're probably angry. They're probably just lashing out. Then there are other people that I'm like, you know, this person's probably hurt. They're talking from a place of hurt. And it seems like there's some genuine like things. So I've actually had some really genuine conversations with maybe 10 people in the last 24 hours on Instagram where we came to this really good place, right? Like, but I, I've had to learn to acknowledge, like, there's some people I will never sway, but then some people I will. And I really try to distinguish between those because people I will never sway, they're not going to get my energy. They're not going to get my attention. So on, on our ads, I rarely comment on any of them because they're always just 
like attacking right but people who will ask a question like well what's the difference between and it's it's it takes practice it takes repetitions but you can find that like there are people who actually genuinely want to have a conversation and that's okay no that's good i years ago maybe 20 2008 um i posted on twitter this is terrible this is so not christ-like i posted comcast sucks this is like probably 11 o'clock it had been like several straight months from them coming out trying to just and it's just like man comcast sucks didn't tag them or anything that night comcast came at like 7 30 never had an issue again and i'm talking about comcast and not even the company that i use now but i'm still talking about how comcast turned someone that was upset someone that had a problem spent the time to talk them through that showed some empathy and was able to turn me into a raving fan. I'm talking about them. They're getting free advertising today. I'm not even talking about the company that I use now. And so I think you can turn something. And so don't dismiss people right away because yeah. I think what happens is it's not just one a one-way conversation. People are seeing how you're responding to oh, yeah. that. And so- um, And the empathy is key. I Generally, I'll say, man, it seems like you've really been hurt by this, usually by the church, because that's what I'm making content on, right? Like, I'll just acknowledge that first. And then I'll say, I'm so sorry. I, I don't, and again, I don't need to like just defend myself. I'm like, I'm so sorry. That was your experience. That's it. Yeah. And that, you know, a gentle answer turns away wrath, right? Like that's, so just give gentle answers. I love it, man. Or don't answer. <laughs> or don't answer at all. Yeah. 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 Sweep it under the rug. Um, <laughs> Block. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, Sometimes. That, that, that would be my filter. Like if people, if someone's just being ugly, just yeah. to be ugly, and then they start taking personal jabs. Yeah, that's an easy block. Um, but but for the most part, you know, and then maybe you block them later after you try to talk to them and then they get personal. But um, it's, it's something that we have to navigate, you know, um, the good thing over time is you can have someone help you with this inside of your organization so that you're as a CEO or founder may not, you know, have to deal with that stuff. Sometimes we still see it. I'm still interested in that stuff. Yeah, um, I want to see it too. Cause I want to know what people are saying. Like I want to know what people, I want to know customers. I was watching uh, Taylor Swift the other day and um, she's saying she Huge doesn't respect. look at any, <laughs> I have a post and some of you are going to see it very soon. It, it's like a clickbaity post. I have a confession, dot, dot, dot. And I'm going to like have, they have to click to see more. And I'm just going to say, I love Taylor Swift. I am the biggest fan. I don't know if we talked about this on our calls, but my girls love them. Um, I stand. But, but <laughs> I'm like, my girls love it. They have the bracelets, everything. I'm just like, you know, she gave $53 million to her, like, you know, guys in the truck, putting the building. Yeah, away. the bonuses, just, right? Yeah. Bonuses, incredible. They say that this this tour, the Ares tour, probably going to make a billion dollars. No one's ever done a billion dollars on a tour. Alton John, I think, was the highest. It's like $800 million or something. But uh, but anyways, I digress. But she said she never, love Taylor, never, ever looks at them. And I, I kind of want to hear what people are saying. And sometimes yeah. in there, they they have an objection. They have something. Maybe they've been hurt. Uh, if you're selling a course, maybe they have been hurt by other course creators or other coaches or other businesses. And if you can find those things out, you can actually hear some of the objections under some of the frustration and rage. Yeah. Um, and so so I, I just want to encourage you all to, 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 to really be aware, have some empathy as you read some of that stuff and not only just you know just empathy period you know i think it'll help us have much more meaningful and purposeful conversations and have some separation it's funny that you say i think the reason taylor swift has, has to not read that stuff is because people aren't attacking her music more, more mm. often they're saying you know like similar to you you said comcast sucks but if yeah. comcast was named after its ceo then you'd mm. be saying jim joe sucks yeah like oh that Oh, that's a personal attack, right? Like, so people like Taylor Swift sucks. Like, no, you just don't like her music. That's fine. Like, she's obviously a talented artist. You just don't prefer her style of music, right? So, like, definitely separate yourself from it as much as possible. It's one thing when people are attacking you personally. It's one thing when you're attacking, they're attacking what you made. And yes, that's going to be emotionally attached to you, but it's just a product. And they're going to say, they're going to say, um, you know, uh, words that are a little bit harsher than they maybe they need to be. And maybe they even they feel but it's just our culture as we say extreme things. Yeah, I agree 100%.
Bro, you've employed people. I think that is amazing. You've written several books. You've helped other people become authors. One day I'm praying I become one of those with you, you know, getting into the Airbnb game, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just doing some really cool stuff. And I I think that's amazing. What are you out of these accomplishments and things you've done over the last five, 10, 15 years in business? What are you most proud of? (laughs) Most most proud of uh probably my my personal account right now because i'm having so much fun like i'm making these mm. memes like i created these ai not your person he's he's not his personal bank account <laughs> he my needs personal his personal account. social <laughs> my personal like, okay. social media well, tell us how much tell us how much. <laughs> my personal bank account is so big <laughs> no. your personal social media account my personal social media account i'm having so much fun and having so many great conversations with people but i'm making these you know silly i've started this ai church members thing where like AI generates church members. It's really fun. Um, But just having some really cool conversations with people that like, again, I'm using humor to start really good conversations and kind of creating this rhetoric um, communication that's happening. And it's it's fun. It's feeding a lot of what I do. It's feeding Sunday social. It's feeding my book writing. It's feeding, um, I don't know. It's just really cool to be able to create like an ecosystem of things that work together. And like this idea works with this and I can help this. So the things that I'm learning with my personal account, I'm applying to Sunday social and then Sunday social stuff's applying there. It's just a blast. I love that it's all working together and that I'm getting to work with really cool people in the process. Yeah. I, I love that, man. Well, before we get into our last couple questions, um, uh, where and how can people connect, can connect with you? Yeah. Find me on Instagram at John Malm. <clears throat> I check my hidden requests because a lot of things go there. So I'll actually respond to you because I love talking to people um jonathanmom.com has all my projects my books and my businesses that i run uh those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me yeah and for folks that want to learn a little bit about your most recent book uh mm-hmm. don't burn out burn bright you got it yes copy right here and uh can you tell folks a little bit about it and why it will help them and i, I think it will help them regardless if they're in ministry or not yeah so the idea was there's a lot of books and a lot of resources out there for burnout the problem with burnout is once you've burned out, like usually it's a long road to get there and it's a long road to recovery. So the goal of Jason and me, uh, Jason, my co-writer it was the goal is how can we actually create a system where people don't burn out, where they have high capacity, high impact leadership and are healthy and can last for the long haul. So that was, that was really the goal of it. It was kind of like the, it's like an anti-burnout book, right? So I highly recommend it to anyone in business, anyone in ministry, It's obviously written primarily to ministry, but the same principles are going to apply a lot of the same pressures, especially in entrepreneurship. Like, unfortunately, church is a lot like entrepreneurship where like the demands are insane. Everyone's asking something of you. Um, Everyone has an opinion on stuff. So yeah, I think it'll help you. Don't burn out, burn bright. Grab it on Amazon. Grab it from Baker Books, our publisher. I think they have it the cheapest, but yeah, grab a copy. Yeah, grab a copy. We'll put a link. Uh, to his social media so you can see all the fun stuff that he's doing as well as uh, uh, all the cool stuff on the businesses, all the, all the things. Um, Well, bro, I'm super grateful for you, man. Just proud to know you. Um, You make building business for me inspiring to, you know, make it fun. You know, you're just, you know, no one just watching this interview may go, man, how did this guy, yeah, 5,000 almost customers. If you add it up 15 ish, dollars a month, like that adds up. So it's a very significant business, but you still have the humility and empathy to want to connect with people. You could be chilling on that personal account, you know, and just chill, you know, but you want to help people, you're writing books, continue to impact people. So just super, uh, super pumped that we got to do this and uh, to be your friend, man. So really appreciate you. Likewise, man. Okay, bro. These last two questions. Um, if you could travel back in a time, maybe where you've, if you like, you're doing all these businesses, what's one's going to pop? Like, where would you travel back to and give Jonathan mom some, some advice? And what would you say? I, I'll be honest. I kind of like everything that I went through. Like I I've enjoyed the experience. I think maybe the one thing is understanding that my value is not necessarily in like the thing that I do, I've realized that like my value is not something I can advertise on LinkedIn. Like the value that I bring to organization is my unique perspective and my ability to, you know, 
think outside the box. And that's not something you put on a LinkedIn thing. And I think that's a lot of, you know, a lot of young people are like, I have to get a degree or I have to learn this skill. And those are all valuable, but the unique skill or value that you have that you bring an organization is, is really hard to put into tangible terms and really coming to grips with understanding what that is. I think that's just something that does come with age. Like the more you do things, I'm like, oh, that's, you know, I'm not a designer. I thought I was a designer until I met Joe Cavazos. And I'm like, he's a designer. I'm not, right? I thought I was a songwriter until I met my friend Josh Engler. And I'm like, he's a songwriter. Like just realizing that like these skills are, are there's a bigger thing that you have to offer than just a single skill set. And finding out what that is is so valuable. I love that. I'm going to introduce on future podcasts, maybe, and maybe I'll kill it, but this is the Jonathan Malm question. Every time we hop on our weekly calls, we always ask like what we've been watching, recommendations, et cetera. So the, the Jonathan Malm question is, what's a good book or show or, or movie that you've listened to or watched recently? Oh, man. I've really been into um, Brandon Sanderson books. He's okay. A, he's, a, he's a fantasy writer, which is like, I'm okay. not a fantasy guy, but like he's a phenomenal writer. He has this cool course online uh, that teaches you how to how to write books and write stories. So read his stuff and then take his course on YouTube for free. It's amazing. That's what I would maybe recommend. I, I think that stuff's amazing. There you have it, the Jonathan Malm question. Okay, man, what is your definition of holy hustle? Yeah, I think holy hustle, I think the term holy has to do with just being set apart for a different purpose, right? So like, I would actually shout out, again, Igniter Media callback to earlier, they're very much, I feel like a holy organization, the way Rob Thomas runs it is mm. they, they will not do things that might make them more money, but instead bring them peace. Mm. Like I, you know, choosing to work with the right people, choosing to be in full of integrity, even whenever it might hurt them. So yeah, just really, I would say operating in integrity, like people should be able to look at the way my business operates and be like, wow, why is that run so differently than other organizations? Why does he pay why does he pay um, his contractors immediately whenever they send the invoice instead of waiting 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, really pushing that envelope, right? Like, I feel like the the more that you operate within the principles outlined in scripture and outlined mm. the way Jesus tells us how to treat other people, that's what I would say is a holy hustle. Come on, mic drop, bro. Love you, man. Appreciate you for doing this. And uh, we'll have to do it again when uh, when we write a book together. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome, man. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Leave a review you liked it and uh, subscribe to the newsletter holy hustle newsletter at holyhustle.com see you guys